0: My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... The thing is, I want to learn. And as it turns out, I work with people who know a lot about classical music. Every week on this show, one of my co-workers will give me a homework assignment, a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. Hello, and welcome to The Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and today my teacher will be Keith Weber, who is currently the director of music and an organist at the Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church in Houston, and is the artistic director of Grace Song Incorporated. That's right. Um... So, before we get started on the music, right. Um, right. so could you give us a sort of Reader's Digest condensed version of your story?
1: Well, I was a, I'm a, I'd like to crib a phrase from Nicholas Sloninsky, the famous dictionary writer and Russian conductor who called himself a failed wunderkind conductor. I was a, a celebrated teenage organist. And so I am a failed wunderkind organism, <laughs> and it's been really great that 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 never worked out, because it's been life has been so much more interesting. After I finished my undergrad degree, I I was turned down actually for graduate study at Eastman, which was a big shock, but in fact it resulted in me leaving not leaving music, but professionally having a banking career. Mm-hmm. During which time I became active in singing and opera and that sort of thing. So you were, but,
0: you were turned down from school. I was turned down from school, and, but so it, was not, it was not banking. until
1: years later, until post banking, that the organist at the Riverside Church, a guy named John Walker, uh, was giving me free lessons. And he insisted that I enter the AGO National Contest, what I did. And I got in the finals and all that sort of thing. And the Eastman professor walks up to me after the finals and he says, Why didn't you come to Eastman? And I said, "Well, you turned me down." And he said, "That's not possible." And he went back and pulled the file. Turns out they sent the wrong letter.
0: Oh yeah, my it was God. it was an
1: actual um, clerical thing.
0: So, what, what what was your reaction to that? <laughs> well, it was kind of
1: well. At least I knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and that's that actually made some sense.
0: And did that change the course of what oh, yeah, you yeah, were yeah, sure, doing sure, sure. professionally? Sure,
1: sure, sure. Uh, that, as well as when I became a banker, in order to get the Bills paid. I was part of a group that started an opera company in Dallas, and so for ten years we did a summer season, and so that played into it as much as the, you know, everything that happens in life happens for a reason, and so, you know, I still love the organ. I adore it. I adore its literature. It's 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 the core of me, but uh, boy, it's been interesting uh, yeah. to move into other areas. So, I've come around. Um, full circle, actually into to playing the organ more recently than I have in a long time., um, And then I've also have other, I've have my own private coaching. Practice. I work with working singers.
0: Yeah, you, your uh, credentials were uh, so long that I decided not to read <laughs> all of them out.
1: <laughs> it's What if you live long enough? You have a nice bio. It's nice to be old.
0: Well, the uh, organ aspect yeah. of what you do brings yeah. us to the piece that we're going to be talking about today, which right. I'll let you introduce because my French is abysmal
1: oh well it's a it's called the organ symphony it's the third symphony of camille sasson which is a a guy whose name we used to love to say because it was so nasalized and you could say (laughs) sasson
0: why don't we um hear a little bit of that before we get talking about it let's start with the first movement just to get a taste of it great So, this first mm-hmm. movement was um, sort of interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Yes. Um, first, because—and I, I hope you don't take offense to this—because mm. I am completely ignorant of classical music, but it, it, it was interesting to me because it was not at all interesting to me. It didn't strike <laughs> me on a on a visceral level. It yeah. sort of sounded to me. Um, like, if you looked up classical music in an interactive dictionary, right. this is the sort of thing that would play. Huh.
1: And it, I found
0: that that as i as I listened to it, it brought up a lot of questions like like hmm. what what is this music? what Where did this composer come from? Where do these sounds come from? why why this? Uh, it just was a complete sort of vacuum for me I especially not having I, I sort of decided not to look into who the composer was yeah prior to our lesson because i, I wanted to come in fresh and learn all oh, about okay. it so. that's wonderful so that that to me was my take on the first movement uh-huh. feel free to inform me
1: well, it's in the, this is, you know, late 1880s, and this guy, Camille Saint-Saëns, was a well-regarded composer, but he had a, a variety of background. He was all, an organist, uh, pianist as well. He was a, played professionally, hmm. um, uh, orchestral conductor, teacher, you know, friend of all the really major people in Europe at the time. And this is at the very height of his, he enjoyed some popularity in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so when he set out to write this piece, I think he had a sense that it was an opportunity to tie everything together, and I think he did. Uh, You know, late 19th century, the music's all about the spirit of the outdoors, I suppose, and this kind of, um, the seeming randomness and direct emotional connection that you get standing on a mountainside watching trees and the glory Mm. and the spaciousness of thing and how grand it feels as a human being to take all of that in and that's he's part and parcel of that of that whole movement that Mm. sought to write down what that what that feels like
0: And who were his musical contemporaries?
1: Oh gosh, all those late Parisian, uh, the organists like Marcel Dupre and Foray and Berlioz. His contemporaries were fellow romantics who had um, big hearts that they liked to wear on their sleeve. And they had a, a love for grandiose poetry and for things writ large. You know, across the thingy, you know, Wagner was writing at this time. You know, that whole kind of letting the music itself, without any kind of text, uh, tell a story, actually paint a picture for you, without the benefit of any words. So they called this program of music, where, where you would let the construction of the piece be a story. But any words, and so that's when I get in this first movement. I see all sorts of sound escapes, I'll call them, which equate directly to stuff that I would see. Okay,
0: I I can see that. I uh, definitely the sort of um, I want to say expansive, but I feel like I use that word a lot. But that that's really uh, it's scenic. It's very, right, that's right. You know. That's
1: exactly right. What a great word. Uh, it's also, um, just like the outdoors, it, uh, the wind will come up at any moment. It's also very temporal, and things change immediately.
0: Yes, th- I noticed that. A lot of fluctuations. Right. and that's yeah. part
1: and parcel also of the romantic compositional spirit, huh. is this, ooh, kind of liquid yeah. and quicksilver and kind of, oh, uh, uh, it's this and that, it's yeah. that, and it's all this together.
0: Huh. just listening
1: yeah oh here we it's very dramatic stuff it is very dramatic and it is very um freewheeling emotional mhm um, it's
0: very sweeping
1: uh huh and it's a, it's a virtuoso orchestra literature mhm um
0: you were really specific, by the way, about oh, which gosh, recording yes. you wanted me oh, to this, listen to. Oh, absolutely! And Why this recording? Well,
1: it's uh, it's from the golden one of the golden ages of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. It was the tenure of Daniel Barenboim mm. as a conductor. Now, the Chicago Symphony, and it's actually pretty timely because one of the things I love about this recording is the sonic. Play between yeah. the organ, the sound of the organ itself, and the sound of the brass section, mm-hmm. because you know organs have their own brass section.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: called reeds. It's the snarly sound that you hear in an organ yeah. sound. Well, just recently, um, a man, um, the former principal trumpeter of the Chicago Symphony, and the man responsible for the sound of that whole section, top to bottom, all the horns and the trombones and the trumpets, just. Uh, his name was Adolf, or otherwise known as Bud Herseth, and he played for 50 years in the same orchestra. And he created a sound like no one ever, whatever, well, no had ever happened. And when they put this recording together, it was right in the heyday of this. And the sound of the brass section is just unmistakable. Yeah. Yeah. If I had not known the recording and you played it for me and I heard one note, one chord, mm-hmm. I could tell you. Wow. That, yeah. that that's a
0: that's interesting because that you bring up the organ because in this first movement mm-hmm. I was sort of going okay why is this called an organ symphony <laughs> I can't hear any organ yeah, anywhere
1: <laughs> well it's like it's like a lot of a lot of mm, appellations a lot of names are attached to a piece afterwards yeah that kind of fail yeah as descriptors this is not actually an organ symphony it's just a what symphony you- that later. Yeah. has a really kind of striking spot for yes. the organ. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, we don't we don't want to ruin you know it for the listeners. We don't want to spoil it. Right, 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 <laughs> right. But um, let's uh let's hear a little bit of the second movement which yeah. So the, the first movement is about, it's about 20 minutes long and I'm, I'm sort of just listening to it going, okay, this is, this is nice. And then we get right. to the uh, second movement and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, what is this weirdness?
1: Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's very strong. Yeah. Uh huh. It's like it's all of a sudden it's alive. (laughs) Right. And it's extremely well played.
0: Mm hmm. This sort of, uh, for. Lack of right. a vocabulary, uh, I'll right. call it the the chorus, the sort of strain that's repeated. Right. Uh, I don't know if Bjork is a classical music fan, but there is a song by her on her album *Post* called *Isabel*. Yeah. yeah. That
1: part right there.
0: Right. It's,
1: it's a da direct rip off. Yeah. Well, I love those connections. You know, there's yeah. all sorts of. Ways that modern music and pop music, in particular, inform and echo mm-hmm. classical things. I think there's it's important to find out what's in common, yeah. Not what's, what is different about something. Now, what's cool about this movement is that uh, the piano starts to enter the picture, and you know it's for piano four hands. So it sounds like the pianist has 20 fingers. What they it do, it's two people.
0: Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, and his writing, uh, you know, and pianist conductors write better piano parts than. Hmm. <laughs> Cause the, they know what's up. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: I also noticed the production on this recording yeah. is really something. Yeah. It's just you hear it uh-huh. in the on one side and then you've got the orchestra on the other.
1: That's right. It's just warm and clear. The whole recording is yeah. very, very present. Mm-hmm. Like you're sitting right in the middle of the orchestra.
0: It seems, um, this movement seems yeah. so much more, uh, I yeah. don't know what to call it, but it seems much more sort of awake, and okay. alive, than, is, than the, the first movement is so sleepy, and this, in contrast, is so Oh, strong. it's full of life, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Do you know anything about sort of the the... Theme behind what the composer was was working on, why this movement is so different from from the first, where this was. He-
1: well, you know the, in, in symphonic literature, people, I think, put a whole way, in fact, way too much credence in the fact that all of these movements connect somehow and that they contrast and that you should hear them without interruption of applause. Well. You know, in a Beethoven symphony, if you didn't applaud each and every moment, he would have gone home and shot, blew his brains out (laughs) and got drunk and gone crazy. Uh, In, you know, just because there are traditionally three or four movements and the middle movement tends to be slow and there's all sorts of conventions. Generally speaking, uh, in the Romantic symphony, each movement is a self-contained thing. Okay. Yeah, And in fact, when Beethoven premiered his Ninth Symphony, for example, he stuck two movements of another piece in between the second and third movement at the premiere. What? Yeah, sure. He That's there's crazy. Nothing, there's it? nothing sacrosanct so about it's, uh, movement order, for heaven's sake. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So that is really interesting to me.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I assume that, you know, you've you've got a symphony, and within right. that symphony... You've got, you know, various movements, and those movements right. are linked together in some fashion. They're telling yeah. a, a maybe a story, or they've got some sort of um, right. some sort of commonality. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and there are a lot, many people who do that. Yeah. And there are many, many examples of that. Yeah. But there are just as many examples mm-hmm. where there isn't.
0: So it's kind of like a an album. Like Correct. you've got you've got a lot of um, a lot of albums where you you do have a, a theme. For example, one uh, Arcade Fire's Neon Bible, and that album very much has a, a theme. Every song uh-huh. has a sort of uh, religious theme, so right. it's really right. interesting. Um, but then they they and and other groups have albums where these songs are completely disparate. Uh-huh. Not necessarily uh, they don't sound like each other. Right. No common theme whatsoever. Right. So that is. So there are composers that, that approach a symphony in that way. That's great. Where it's it's an album.
1: Right. And that's one of huh. the interesting things about classical music. From early on in the Baroque, Burf- a dance suite, yeah. which has movements that may- maybe they're in the same key or related keys, but the dances don't have anything to do with each other.
0: Hmm. The
1: whole album concept yeah, <laughs> has been yeah. around for a long time. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and whether or not there's connective tissue or not is part of the design of the album. Yeah, it yeah it's been it's been that way forever
0: You've blown my mind my mind oh, is blown yay. that's good we like that well um let's hear a little bit of the third movement which uh, is the oh, most interesting yes. of these to me uh, and, it just I mean just blows you out of the water and
1: let me set, to set this up one of okay. the reasons uh, this was so great back in the 80s now this has all changed in the last 20 years um... But in the 80s, there really weren't any nice organs in concert halls. Now, as big donors needed a way to express themselves, we now have great big pipe organs in concert halls all over America. In Dallas, for example, there's this phenomenal instrument in the symphony orchestra space. Well... It's always been a problem because eh, the quality of the organ you're, you're kind of stuck with what you've got, and when you play this piece and you use an electronic organ eh, it just doesn't sound right so by the magic of audio technology uh, they went I think they, they must have done the orchestra part first, but the Chicago Symphony Orchestra uh well, the legendary group of course they went to Chartres Cathedral.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Outside of Paris, um, and where there is a 19th century, now it's gone through a number of revisions, this organ, but the core of it is a late 19th century French organ. And it has a very particular sound, fiery and bold and aggressive. And so here is a way that perhaps in Saint-Saëns' own imagination, this piece should have sounded, was the sound of the organ that he was used to. Mm Combined with this beautiful big orchestra. And so it's just so refreshing of all the recordings of this piece to start with this French organ sound, which has fire at the top, fire at the bottom, and just snarl everywhere. Um, And the organist I think is Gaston Leté's. Interesting player. Although, you know, what we love, we organists love about the Sasson Organ Symphony is that it's a brain. It's a brain dead gig because mm-hmm. the part is not hard at all. Mm-hmm. You get billing on the program as a soloist, <laughs> and it's something you can sort of sight read and you get paid anyway.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's nice. Let's hear what this guy does.
1: Oh. <laughs> Listen to that sound. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> And then, aggressive and beautiful playing, and... Wow! (laughs) It's
0: like, you suddenly understand in this third movement why it's called the Organ Symphony.
1: That's a whole sonic world, the organ. And the symphony, it tries to imitate what the organ has been for centuries. This combination of choruses, top to bottom. Listen to the penis, (laughs) and then that's a great piece of work. This record, wow.
0: That is, yeah. I'm really glad that you told me that it was piano for four hands. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's ecstatic. Listen to the. Now here's the brass. That's Chicago. Wow. Yeah, that's Bud Hersh's signature section sound. Mm-hmm. Ready? And it's just mm, it's the wall. <laughs> and the combination of those two. Uh-huh. Yeah, you sort of, would not want eh. to
0: meet them in a dark alley. <laughs>
1: wall it just makes your blood boil it's then like how good organ is here comes the fugue which is the one voice enters in the next voice and then here's Mm -hmm. the third one they're all playing the same thing in a kind of a yeah any organist worth his salt has a plays a fugue at some point Mm. and he uses every trick in the book at maintaining the excitement level. Uh-huh. Changing keys, slipping another material, combining material. Yeah. And here's the pastoral bit. <laughs> <laughs> With, of course, the, the well-known Chicago Symphony soloists of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's the and the flute players. The thing I love is, a little bit later, um, Berenboim gets the acceleration at the end of the movement, mm-hmm. gets it right on the money. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. Um, and then, of course, at the very end of this, you'll hear a scale, an organ scale, down to low C, mm-hmm. um, which is as much as we get. It's as low as yeah. the lowest note on the instrument. Um, oh, and here comes the fugue again. Oh. <laughs> And then level one. Here comes a little tune. <laughs> it's just so polished and unified and fiery. And then winds and strings batting it around. And trumpet. horn, rather, sorry. And organ. Uh, now, wrath. <laughs>
0: can't see this, but yeah. the entire time Keith has been air conducting to this yeah, piece. Oh yeah, you bet. I don't <laughs> think I've I've uh, done a classical classroom
1: uh-huh.
0: with somebody who is as excited about the music as you are.
1: Oh well, that's that's <laughs> that's what I am. Here comes the second pastoral section. And one of the things I love the horn player. His name's Dale Clevenger. He's now retired, but here he goes and. It's one of the hundreds of little details. Mm-hmm. Um, well, wow. And then this is the last, the little calm before the storm. And the buildup is about to begin for the last mm-hmm. time. We're starting with that. Mm-hmm. And then level one and it's like a pot boiling right you turn up the fire a little bit there's level 2 um <laughs> and- Trick. It's where you make the note values longer. You take the material from before and swing it a little bit and syncopate it and make it longer.
0: The organ is killing me.
1: Yeah, yeah, And then you're ready? Here we go. Yeah. Hang on. Ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts. Hold am
0: on. I'm
1: holding on. Here we go. Stay tuned on. them. He the brakes on him. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no! Don't slow
0: down.
1: Yeah. Um. And here comes the scale. Ready? Down. Uh, and then D and
0: there is yeah, so yeah. much going on in that yeah, piece it's, of music, it's, it's, uh, and, you're you're and right. you kind of <laughs> We're yeah. showing me that visually as we were listening. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's immensely satisfying, yeah. the end of that movement. Yeah. It just gathers and gathers and gathers and then just sits there. and yeah. is this kind of sonic, I don't know, completion. It's uh-huh. just... Oh. well, and
0: I love it as the, the yes. culmination of, yeah. of the the symphony. It reminds me of um, the arcade fire piece there uh, so I, I talked about their album um, uh-huh. Neon Bible and uh-huh. and the organ in this uh-huh. enters in the same way that right. uh, that it does in this piece. Right. Um, the song before it is very, very quiet and right. slow right. and and then. right
1: exactly
0: yeah and it and that that's right after this lull in the album which is you know it's sort of a concept album
1: right right very simply that's great
0: and then it just really takes you there it sort of explodes yeah. I love that sound. I especially I don't I mean I've never heard yeah. organ like like in the piece that you shared with me today in mean, yeah. the organ symphony. That yeah. was it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, um, Keith, thank you so much oh for gosh, being here today. you're Just so welcome. This I has been so much fun. it again. Thank you. Yeah, much. let's do it again. And everybody, thanks for listening to the Classical Classroom. We'll catch you next time.
1: Bye-bye. You still a soldier in your mind. But on the line. it's money that we need because if we're only mouths to feed i know no matter what you say there's some debts you'll never pay working for the church while your family dies
0: you take what they give